Welcome to the Human Performance Outliers Podcast with your host, Zach Bitter. At Human Performance Outliers Podcast, we dive into a wide range of topics, including health, fitness, and training strategies, to name a few. If you enjoy the show and wish to support, please visit patreon.com forward slash HPO podcast. If you do not use Patreon or wish to make a one-time donation, please visit the show PayPal page at paypal.me forward slash HPO pod. Links to both of those can be found in the show notes. Also, consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform and on our video version of the show hosted on YouTube. For updates and notifications, please visit my social media channels at Zach Bitter on Instagram, at ZBitter on Twitter, and at Zach.Bitter on Facebook. If you wish to sponsor the show or have any other questions or feedback, please reach out to me at HPOPodcast at gmail.com. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of HPO Podcast. Uh, this, this guest I have today... We have some exciting topics to chat about. Um, one thing I would like to say about it is it's it's kind of like a a world of impossible, I guess maybe it would be a way to describe <laughs> Joel. <laughs> um, I have Joel Runnin joining me today, and I'm excited to chat with him for a variety of reasons. Uh, selfishly, due to some of his ultra marathon endeavors, just because he's done a lot of stuff around that world. Uh, you know, around the world in some pretty extreme areas, as well as just his general kind of mindset and approach that I find to be really interesting things that I've related to in the past and currently do uh, just a whole lot of stuff around his lifestyle, his mindset and all that kind of stuff. And, and just kind of go through some of that and hopefully uh, share with you some of the excitement that he's brought me and a bunch of other people. Joel, thank you so much for taking some time and coming on the show. Awesome, man. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You know, well, I was trying to decide what to chat to chat with you about first, uh, just with uh, kind of all the stuff that you've done. But I think maybe the the best part to start for our audience who maybe aren't familiar with you, uh, just tell us a little bit about kind of your background. How did you get into kind of, I guess, endurance sport and then maybe like kind of mindset coaching, I guess, is a way to call it to a degree too, right? Yeah. So uh, it's a long story. I'm going to try to keep it short so we can focus on, you know, the races and the training, the mindset stuff. But um, basically, I, I was never one of those guys who always knew what they wanted to do when they grew up. Um, and so, like, I always performed really well in school and did all the things you were supposed to do. But I didn't really get the point and I didn't really know, like, what the end game was. And so I got to the end of school, graduated in 2009, like, in the middle of a big recession, like, Nobody was hiring and I was in the spot where I'm like, I did all the things I was supposed to do. I'm just supposed to get a job now. Right. And uh, none of that materialized. <laughs> like, it just <laughs> didn't happen for me. Um, and so uh, long story short, like it kind of was like a bad time for me. Like I was like living at home, applying for jobs, uh, like, you know, jobs I wanted at first. And then it was eventually just like, Hey, Starbucks, uh, Target, uh, anything just to like, you know, not be a complete, you know, waste of uh uh skin and you know eventually got a job at ups uh got fired uh basically did a a stint right around uh christmas uh for the extra packages they deliver and then they fired all the extra help they they hire right after christmas so i'm back you know at my parents house like nine months after graduation and i'd like you know done pretty good at most things in life 
up to that point and I was feeling pretty bad about myself. And so I had a list of all these things I wanted to do and all of them seemed impossible. Um, and so I just kind of felt bad for myself for a long time. And then, you know, I kept looking at this list and there are things on the list that I wanted to do, like travel the world, start a business. Um, and I had reasons why I couldn't do them. I didn't have any money. I was not getting hired. I was, you know, I didn't know anything about business, but one of the things on the list was run a triathlon. And it was kind of this out of left field goal that I had that sounded cool, but I didn't know anything about uh, triathlons. I didn't know like what three sports were involved with it. Uh, I'd never met anybody who'd run a triathlon before. Um, and I'd never like, I'm not a runner. I wasn't a runner. So I, I'd never run more than like a 5k um, at the time. And so, uh, but I basically just, you know, I was like, this is like literally the only thing I feel like I can even like attempt right now. And so, uh, I signed up for like an indoor triathlon, um, at lifetime fitness, uh, I started training for it for like, you know, a month and a half, which I think is, you know, way too long to train for an indoor triathlon, but I was, I was terrified. So, uh, ended up doing this race, uh, and kind of had like a mental breakthrough where I was like, Oh, like, you know, you trained for it and you were like, you know, a little scared of it, but like you spent so long telling yourself, you know, you trained for like a month and a half or two months, but you spent like three months before that telling yourself that you couldn't do it because it was impossible. Uh, and you just did it. So if that's the case, what other things are you telling yourself are impossible that if you just trained for it or worked on it, you might be able to go do. And so that kicked off this whole, uh, set of starting to train for a triathlon. And so I started, you know, kind of working my way up the triathlon circuit. Um, eventually I got to like the half marathon, uh, half, uh, um, half Ironman distance and I realized it was like oh I'm like actually running quite a bit right now <laughs> like I tricked myself into running uh, just because it was part of uh, triathlon and then um, you know ended up you know uh, getting to the point where I was like running my first marathon and after marathons I was like you know I'm good I don't need to go any farther uh, and then I got challenged to uh, by a nonprofit that I was partnering with to, they're like hey what about an ultra marathon and i kind of heard about ultras but i didn't know anything about them and so um i was like kind of scratching the, the surface or whatever i was like you know i think i'm probably okay you know it's great but they're like but you should do it for charity and you should help like build a school and i was like okay now you're like i can't really back out of this one like you can't like just like you know <laughs> I, I don't have a good excuse like i have a brand around this i have a uh, uh you know you know kids involved and uh like Worst case is you just go out and suffer for a little bit. And I was like, okay, so I'll do it. And so uh, I did my first ultra marathon. We raised a bunch of money for charity. And um, that was kind of like my introduction to ultra marathons. We ran like a, um, there's a 50, 50 race in Chicago and it's just along the lakefront and you mm -hmm. run this route up and down um, a whole bunch of times or whatever. And so that was like my first understanding of like what this world of ultra marathon was. And, um, you know, I had in my mind, you know, that the races were going to be like, a triathlon or the, uh, you know, a marathon where there's people out there, there's like, you know, the, the roads are packed, like everybody's sharing. And you're just like, no, there's like, <laughs> there's like 40 people out there. Yeah. Uh, there's stragglers. Like we're, we're on the Chicago lakefront pathway and like they're dodging people as we're running it, you know, yeah. like, so, um, and I loved it. Cause it was like, it was a whole different type of vibe than I'd been um, involved with previously with running. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how that, you know, I transitioned from, you know, never running ever um, to get into the ultra distance. And then um, I've just found, you know, 
I'm not the fastest ultra runner. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I'm pretty good at suffering and I run ultra marathons because of um, the adventures and the places they can take me, but also like um, the things they force you, like places in your mind uh, that mm -hmm. they force you to go. And, um, you know, we just did this, this race called the longest night um, in Austin. And it was just, you know, 14 hours out on the track running in circles. Um, and that was a good way to exercise the year after all the crafts that's gone on. It's just like, you deal with all the mental demons that you've got, like mm -hmm. get them all out. Like, I don't know how, how about you, but I, I feel like I process a lot of things really well um, when I'm just like at my, at my end of mm -hmm. all this. So um, that's a, that's a quick rundown, I guess, if you will. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I'm, I don't know if I have zero uh, data to support this, but it seems like, like of the folks who like hated running or maybe just never had an interest in running, it seems like they get attracted to ultra marathoning of all the endurance sports at some point when, when they do. So like, it's always funny to hear stories like that of folks who, you, I mean, you'd think like that they would maybe just like, oh, I'll do a 5k a couple times a year, not, you know, a hundred K over in, in the Arctic or something like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it seems like of all the endurance events, uh, ultra marathoning attracts the folks who at one point in their life were like, oh yeah, I'm, I, I'm not a runner. I don't want to run. And for some reason there's appeal to that, but you know, it may be kind of when you describe the lakefront race, there, there isn't, there's just not a whole lot of ego at some of those events. So I think like people mm -hmm. maybe like people are maybe a little more open to kind of testing that stuff out or they don't feel quite as awkward going there. It's not like, you know, you go to like an Ironman triathlon and there's, you look around and you're like, well, these people are like super into this. They're dialed in they're They've got a process. And then you go to some of these ultra marathons. It sounds like Did this guy just show up this morning and decided to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it is kind of well, funny that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other thing that I found is that like, I don't, I don't, you know, the people that don't like running, like the people that don't like running, don't necessarily like want to sign up for like a 5k for fun. Like it seems like a lot of work to even just like show up to go run a 5k. If like I have to run a 5k, I'm just going to go, yeah, you know, go and run the 5k. It's like, I want it to be something, you know, big enough that one forces me to train for it. And two is mm -hmm. like something I'm looking forward to has on my calendar. And then like, I'm pumped up for it. So, um, but yeah, I, I think the other thing is like the, the, I found ultra marathons, like, you know, from, you know, everything from like your local race to like Leadville, like the whole vibe of people out there is not, you know, I don't know if you've seen the oatmeal's comic about like the different type of racers uh, and they compare like marathon racers as like, uh, uh, you know, jackrabbits and like, uh, like zipped up, you know, tracksuits or whatever versus uh, ultra marathon runners, which are like mountain goats that are like just randomly eating food as they <laughs> climb up a mountain and like poop on the side of the trail or something like that. Um, but I think it's a little bit like it, there's less formality to it, which is, uh, and I feel like even, even, in, you know, some of these like epic races or whatever, like uh, you're out, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, like there is a little bit more reliance on other people that have like someone has an issue, mm -hmm. like you're at least going to tell someone at the next next stop or something like that so i feel like there's a little bit more camaraderie there where uh marathons like everybody go and like mm -hmm. you know maybe you're not like concerned about whoever else is out there 
Yeah. Yeah. And there's that sense of adventure too, where I think like you get a road marathon and there's so many templates out there to do those successfully. You feel like, well, I did this template, therefore I'll get this result. And more or less, you're probably pretty close to that. Whereas you get some of these, these longer races where, you know, we're, we're working with just like piles of anecdotes in a lot of cases with ultra marathoning. So yeah, like you said, you may find yourself in a position where you're asking the person who just flew by you because they're having a good time and you're in a rough spot to tell the person at the aid station that you need help when you come through. Yeah. But yeah, it's good stuff. I, one thing I wanted to, to ch chat with you a bit about is uh, the thing about your whole impossible uh, mindset uh, resonated with me because when I first kind of heard your story, it just took me back to uh, a point in my running career where I kind of like had a similar mindset as you. And then a, a bit of an aha moment eventually, which was when I, uh, when I went to college, I mean, I had a, a parallel to your experience quite a bit too. I graduated my undergrad in 2008. So it was kind of in that same pandemic timeframe and all that stuff. But uh, when I decided which college I wanted to you know, get my undergrad from, they had a cross country and track team and I had made state in, in high school and college or in high school and track and cross country. So I thought, well, if I'm going to be here, I may as well see if I can get on the cross country team, the track team as well. So I, I met with a coach and he just kind of broke down the general uh, like training protocol for the freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And I mean, it was like a high mileage program. So he let me know that the juniors and seniors are running like 90 to hundred miles a week in the summer sometimes. And I just remember thinking like, there's no way I'll ever run 90 miles in a week. That's that'd be in the way you kind of process that is so funny in my mind. Now, when I look back too, because first you just say, there's just no way it's possible. And then you move on to like kind of making excuses as to why not, it doesn't even matter. That's impossible. It's like, it'd be dumb to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. so like I just found myself like running all these thoughts in my head like well if I run 15 miles a day six days a week with a day off I'm still gonna barely hit you know, and just like you know you, you look back at that and laugh after you know you find yourself in, in a position where you're running more than that in a single day but yeah. the the, <laughs> the the funny thing about that is uh it when when it's like you what you kind of described as you see something as impossible that is that's clearly not if you give it some thought but um in your mind it is at the time and you accomplish that and then a lot of times i think the mindset goes to well if this is doable what else is doable so then you kind of stretch that out and you're just kind of making these like this this like ascending staircase more or less of what you're capable of over the course of years to the point where you get to the, the spot where you look back at that, that point in the beginning and you laugh at yourself a little bit. Is that kind of how, how it progressed for you too? Yeah, I, I, I think that's, I mean, it's super accurate as far as like, uh, there's like rationalization. You're like, well, you know, like that's impossible. And then as soon as you start realizing, uh, yeah. I, so I have a, I have a saying I use a lot, like impossible um, uh, isn't a statement, it's a challenge. Like a lot of people talk about impossible. So there's like two things that people screw up about impossible. Like one, they think everything's impossible and they're just like, I'm not going to try anything. The other one is like, people are like, oh, impossible, anything's possible. Like the word impossible says impossible. I hate that quote. People send it to me and I'm like, no, don't send it to me. I don't like it. Uh, uh, because they're like living in fairy tale world of like, oh, just, you know, things will just be great and everything's you know, and if you're like, if you're going to run 90 miles a week, there's a process you have to do to work up to that. And so um, I found, you know, literally just finding whatever the smallest thing is that you like, don't think you can do. And then just chipping away at that with like, 
okay, maybe it's not impossible. Okay, maybe it's just a, like a lot of mileage. Maybe that's stupid, but it's not impossible anymore. It's just, it's just we've upgraded it to stupid. And then like, from from there, it's like, okay, well, you know, like I could probably do like half of that. And then like, okay, once you do that and you're not dead, like you keep working your way up and at, you just chip away at it. And then all of a sudden you start realizing that you have all these experiences that you've done where it's like, you know, like, uh, you know, after I did that first triathlon, I was like, oh, well, I've done a triathlon. So like, I thought that was impossible, but no, it's not. And then I did like, you know, half. And, and then I was like, that's not a pop. And so then you always have these references. So anytime those blocks come up in the future, you'd be like, well, you know, I thought about, you know, seven other things like that. And those weren't correct. So you're constantly recalibrating um, and like re-understanding where you're at with reality. And I think that's, I think it's super useful, both with goal setting and just like everything in, in general. I, I found this was super helpful. You know, I mentioned I couldn't get a job for a long time. Um, it changed the way that I was looking for a job. It changed the way like I approached uh, working, you know, for the first, you know, two or three years of impossible, I, had, I actually ended up changing, you know, my mindset about going to work for a job, got one, worked my way up, got recruited, did another thing, and then eventually quit and just started doing my own stuff full time. But um, I found the mindset that I built with, uh, you know, ultras and fitness has translated over to the way I, I work the way I build my businesses, the way I work on other projects. Um, uh, I found, I found that's had a, had a huge impact. So um, it's, it's, it's kind of fun. Once you, you know, once you do a race, it just, it doesn't just stay that race. It, it, it bleeds over to other races. It bleeds over to other areas of your life. Um, and um, you know, if you're having trouble in those spots, it's easy to, to look back and be like, okay, you know, I remember that one time I was in the Arctic, you know, trudging through, yeah <laughs> you know you know uh two foot snow or whatever like i can i can handle this um so i that that's one of the things that i like is like having those experiences to look back to and you're kind of building this resiliency um as a person to handle not just more races and you know do better in the future but also like other stuff that's completely not related so um mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You kind of preempted my question because I mean, clearly you're not living in your parents' basement any longer, so you translated the Iron Man stuff over for now. To for now, over, yeah. hopefully, you know, <laughs> it could always go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask you a bit about that because I, I, when I think about some of those experiences, it, it, it seems like a lot of times people will find themselves kind of at like at zero, essentially, where they don't have any good reference point yet. And they're at a point where maybe they are a big dreamer still. And they're like, well, I want to, you know, do an Ironman triathlon. I want to, you know, become an owner of my own company. I want it. And they've got like these lists of like four or five great goals that are like end goals, but they haven't really just bit or like grinded down on any one of them yet. So they kind of have this, like this, 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 like a uh, stalling or the spinning of their wheels and it really just seems like it takes it takes diving into one of them, just saying, okay, I'm going to commit to one of these first and try to do it right or just try to do it and then kind of create that roadmap for themselves that they can kind of carry over into those other sides of things. Is that kind of the way that worked for you then? Yeah. I mean, the way I talk about it is like I have a I have an impossibleist template and it's like, okay, here's how to, you know, structure out the different things in your life. And then here's, you know, how you build them out. And a lot of people compare it to a bucket list, but the thing that think people screw up with a bucket list is people just put stuff on a bucket list one time. They get, 
these huge major goals and like one day I'm going to climb Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. They don't think about all the things you got to do to like actually be able to climb Mount Everest. So <laughs> uh, the way that I structure impossible list is like, you actually flip it over. You actually start with like, what feels, okay, Everest would be cool one day, but like maybe you put that on there and you, you know, you mark it. So, but like what feels impossible today and like, where do you need to start today? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, I don't know if you can get much, you know, more simple than uh, an indoor triathlon, a lifetime fitness in a pool, indoor pool, because you're scared to drown in an outdoor. Sw- like it was like, I started really humble. <laughs> like it wasn't like this big thing that I went on and did, but like you need to build up trust and prove to yourself that you can do one of these things. Because if you go out and do a big thing and then you fail or you DNF or you go home or you get hurt, uh, you're gonna have more trust issues with yourself and then you're not going to, you're not going to be able to like actually go out and sign up for the next thing because you're like, Oh, the last time I, I, I went out and did something impossible and I failed. Um, you need to build up a record with yourself of showing that like you can do the things that you say you're going to do. And so, um, you know, I always, you know, you know, typically, you know, when I get to a race, it's just like, you know, people always want to ask like, what's the secret to not quitting or not like giving up. And you're like, it's not an option. It's not an option when I get to the start line, unless I'm like hurt, like majorly, or like I break a leg or like whatever. It's just like, I'm going to finish. Like it's going to, I'm going to be good. Uh, it might suck, but I'm prepared. Like, you know, there's a limit on how long uh, things could suck for, you know, at the longest night, it's like, okay, it's 14 hours. Worst case scenario. Like that's it. Like, you know, I'm not like, I, I can make it through 14 hours of pain. Um, even if it's, you know, the worst 14 hours of my life, like I can handle it. Um, and so I think people need to start small. Uh, if you focus on like, you know, what feels impossible now that lets you get traction, that lets you get uh, momentum. And then you could take that, you can build that on the next thing. Like, you know, I think I went, you know, from, you know, indoor triathlon to a half Ironman in like six months or something like that, which is, you know, it's not that incredible for, you know, Ironman races or whatever, but for me who had never thought that he would run an ultra marathon or Ironman that, that blew my mind. I didn't know you could do that. Um, and so I tell everybody just like, you know, start small, start with what feels impossible today and then go out and do it. Because Mm -hmm. if you get these big things up early, it's important to have those eventually, uh, because they're exciting. Um, they help orient you. They give you like direction, but like start with what you've got where you're at and then start today and then build traction, you build rapport with yourself. And I think that's the most important underrated thing. And people talk about like, you know, how do you know you're going to do it? You're like, Oh, I don't know when I start out, but I I trust myself that I'm going to figure it out Mm -hmm. and that I'm going to follow through on the things that I commit to. So um, I think that's super helpful. Yeah. All right, folks, this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast is brought to you by a company named Elemental Labs. Elemental Labs is a company that has created an electrolyte powder that you can mix into your drink. The reason Elemental Labs began developing the product Element is because Rob Wolf noticed that his performance seemed to suffer when he was taking part in one of his favorite activities, jujitsu. 
And after a little problem solving, he realized that it was an electrolyte situation, specifically sodium. So he wanted to develop a product that gave him all the benefits of the electrolytes without all the additional sugars and fillers that you would find in traditional sports drinks. Element is packed with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium, and comes in four flavors of orange salt, citrus salt, raspberry salt, and raw unflavored. So if you would like to up your electrolyte game, head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO and place an order. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, so much of what you described, I think, just kind of is a continuation of that same mindset, regardless of whether you're doing the event itself or preparing for it, because like you have to just start chunking it where it's a, where you can wrap your head around it. I think of that like as like the training for 100 miles is exactly the same as racing for 100 miles. Like if I start thinking about, you know, the whole breadth of the four months or whatever it's going to take me to prepare for a specific <laughs> 100 mile, you know, I'm just going to spin my head into like, you know, craziness even though i've done it before it's like you start thinking about too many 30 mile back-to-back long runs or whatever it happens to be uh same thing on race day it's like if i'm standing around the starting line and i'm already fixated on getting to that last aid station or you know being at mile 99 and finishing the day off you know i'm gonna be mentally exhausted before i get two-thirds of the way through and that's gonna be like come back and bite me big time so like yeah getting to be getting to that point where you recognize where you need to be or want to be but then being able to step back from that and then block it into like small bite-sized chunks where you can get through it. It it was huge for me. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of find their breakthrough in a lot of this stuff is um, you know, how to kind of like, once you set that big goal, how do you structure the framework around from day one to the finish to make it applicable to, to daily goals or weekly goals, things that are a little more close in sight that you can latch onto and, and check off your list of things that you did or accomplished so that that motivation stays there and you don't find yourself like kind of losing interest midway through and giving up on your, your end goal. Yeah. And then the other thing is like turning off the like emotion aspect of things where it's like, you know, everybody like wants the end goal, they want the prize or whatever, but then they're like, but they also want to like be happy all the time. They always like, you know, they want to feel excited about every training session that they want to do. And you're like, you know, just like, you know, turn, turn the brain off, like manually override and just like, figure out whatever the price is uh, for whatever you want to do and then go pay it. And a lot of times it's not, it's not money. It's, you know, it's weird. You know, it's a, it's a, uh, like an early morning run, like not missing a workout. Like it's, it's, it's the not sexy stuff where you just have to be like, listen, I'm going to be a robot for the next like two hours or whatever. I'm just going to go do it. Uh, And I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to make excuses. It's just going to like, go do it. And I think that's something where, you know, people get caught up in like, they give themselves the out, they give themselves the option to like not do it or like whatever. And like, once you have the box, whatever, you just focus on like, this is what I'm doing. And Joel doesn't have an option. He's going to work, you know, like it's your job. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found that's, that's super helpful as well. Yeah. And kind of along those lines, one other thing I heard you say that I thought was interesting was, 
you were talking about how like when you run, you use that as a great time to kind of like reflect and plan and just think about things. You come up with your best ideas and uh, a best approaches to things when you're out on a run. And when I heard you say that, I was like, that's perfect because one thing that I always recommend when people are, you know, preparing, well, I actually maybe even deciding whether they want to do like say an ultra marathon or whatever activity it is that they're preparing for is find a reason to be doing it other than just the event itself or that end goal itself. Because then if you do find yourself in a position where you get to the event and get hurt and can't do it, or you get to the event and you finish it, but it didn't meet the expectations you thought, you can still look back at the experience and say, wow, that was great. I learned this, this, and that. And I had all these other like uh, kind of supplementary benefits along the way, other than that kind of goal of getting fit enough to do this. So when you said that, I thought, okay, that's perfect. So what Joel has is you could do a full training block. And, you know, maybe the event doesn't go exactly the way he wanted to, but I bet if he thinks back on the, the weeks and months that he did it, the number of ideas and problem solving and brainstorming he did during the hours of training, he's probably like, well, that was a win in and of itself, even without the event there. I find, I find for me, like these, these hard physical challenges, you know, whether it's running or whatever, or like, like how I like mentally like defrag my brain, like a computer. I have so many things that I'm doing. I have a lot of different things going on. Um, and a lot of times, like, you'll just have, like, random things that come up that you haven't thought about for a while that, like, just show up in the middle of, like, a, like a three-hour run or something like that. I don't know if you run into that. But, like, uh, I, you know, half the reason I run is to, like, find out who I am when things get bad. Um, and so, you know, in a training run, things are a little bit more relaxed sometimes and more – it's it's more of just, like, I'm working through business stuff in my head or I'm, I'm – it's – sometimes it's not even that helpful. Like I'm actually solving problems that I had, but then I forgot what the problems are by the end of the run. Like I'm not like taking notes or anything. Um, but you know, on, on, you know, you know, really sucky, you know, I've done a couple really sucky events and like half the way through, it's literally just like, it's you and you out in the middle of nowhere. And you just have to like come meet yourself and like deal with yourself. And, um, it's horrible, but it's actually like, I have some, you know, of my most, you know, vivid memories, uh, doing stuff like that. And, you know, with, you know, not to get too philosophical, but with like life, you know, being so crazy, people being on their phones all the time, um, uh, nobody really taking time to like, you know, be with just with themselves. Um, uh, I find, you know, with ultra marathons, like you have a lot of time alone. Like you've got a lot of time out there, um, you know, get comfortable and, uh, uh, you know, you got to like the person that you're out there with. So, uh, uh, you know, get to know them pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're stuck with yourself indefinitely during some of those things. And yeah, you, you learn a lot about yourself and I think you, you have this opportunity to really, really kind of strip yourself down to the, it's raw essentially. So you can, you know, ask yourself like, you know, why am I out here? What is, the, what is the purpose for this? And, and really get to the bottom of some of that stuff. And I think there, there's good life lessons at the end of the day for a lot of folks. And um, I know I've learned a lot and I'm sure it sounds like you have too. So um, pretty cool. Of you, Let's talk a little bit about your, um, some of your, your bigger ultramarath or maybe not bigger, but uh, more like, off the grid type experiences because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I, I just love the sport of ultra running because it's like, 
it's it's it almost feels weird to call it a single sport like you would look at like basketball baseball or football where like things are more standardized you get in the world of ultra marathoning you have like you know 50ks up in the mountains you have six day events on 400 meter tracks and everything in between so like you know for me i kind of skew more to the runnable surfaces and things like that so i'm always really interested when you know i have the someone who's been, you know, you know, out in some of the more remote areas or in your case, very remote areas. Yeah. So like, what was it like, or, I guess maybe share with us a little bit about what it was like to kind of go from, okay, I've done this triathlon indoors, a very controlled environment <laughs> to get to the point where like, you're willing to like, put yourself out there at the point where you're running a hundred kilometers in the Arctic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so basically what happened was I, I did this first ultra marathon um, in Chicago, relatively controlled, you know, space. And um, it was great. I got to see the school, like went down to Guatemala, like awesome experience. Uh, and so then like maybe like a year and a half later, maybe a year later, I was looking at things and I was like, I need to find like another thing. You know, I kind of looked at ultras as like a one-off thing. Okay, I did an ultra marathon. I'm good. Uh, but then I was like, okay tagline is like push your limits you got to keep pushing you can't just like get stagnant um which is really bad i put myself in a bad spot where i can't i can't back out of things anymore so um so if you've got a challenge throw it at me um i have a bad time saying no so i i was like okay well you know like what were the biggest what were the hardest things that you've done and like what were also the most impactful and i i basically came back to this last thing was like the ultra marathon was the hardest thing I'd done. It wasn't even that crazy. It was like a 50 K at the time. Um, uh, but I was like, man, that was like way farther than ever, ever, ever thought I could go. Um, and then, you know, seeing the school belt was like super impactful. So I was like, well, maybe I just should just do more of that. Like, and so originally I'd found this race in Antarctica that was like a hundred kilometer race. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll do like a, uh, like hundred K race and try to raise like a hundred K or something like that. Like maybe, maybe that would be interesting. And then I started like, you just mentioned like digging into the world of ultra running. And I started realizing there's not just like one race. There's like all these things. And then I started to like, you know, all these other things of like, Hey, I wanted to travel the world. I want to, you know, they all started kind of melding together. And I was like, well, you know, if I can do it for a good cause, that would be great. And so, um, you know, I started finding races, you know, uh, like in the Swiss Alps, uh, you know, in Thailand, um, down in Australia, uh, all over the places. So this idea of like, okay, what if I, instead of just running one ultra marathon, I ran seven on seven continents and we use that to raise money for seven schools. And so I called it seven, seven, seven. And that's how I like launched that thing. And there were supposed to be, there was actually like two initial, um, slates of races, like, um, uh, I was supposed to, I, I, I kicked it off um, with a race down in Patagonia. Um, and the first race I got hurt. Um, and so um, the next six races that I had lined up basically all had to get pushed uh, because um, I, my ankle was just completely wrecked and I had to do like six months of rehab. Um, and so by the time I got around to like, okay, I've got one out of seven done. Um, I had to kind of pick new races. So I ended up with doing like a, you know, an Arctic race in Finland, um, like, like a 70 kilometer race. I did a, a 50 K in Thailand, a hundred K in, um, Antarctica, uh, like a 12 hour, uh, uh, evening to morning race on new year's in Australia. And then, uh, there's another one. Uh, I did two oceans in oh, uh, cool. South Africa. 
And so, uh, but it's hilarious because people are like, oh yeah, like a hundred K in the Arctic. And you're like, you know, actually, you know, I fit in well in the Arctic. Like I've got the beard for it. Uh, I like colder weather. Um, like I, I run okay in the Arctic. Um, it's a new environment, but it's like, I adapt decently well to it. Um, like people denominate ultras and like distances. And I'm like, it's not like that at all. Cause I did a, I did the hundred K and that was the farthest I'd ever done in Antarctica. And I was like, wow, that was awesome. Um, I'm going to crush everything else. Cause it's all shorter than this. I know I can do it. And like two weeks later, I think I did a 50 K in Thailand and it was like a hot jungle race. Um, everything was out and backs and up and downs on like single track stuff. So it's like, some of it's not even runnable. You're just like kind of yeah. you know, you're like adventuring through the, the Thailand jungle. And I don't know if I've had a race. I've, I've said this a couple of times, but I don't know if I've had a race to try to break me more than that race. It was just like mentally demoralizing. You're just like, there's all these out of backs in your mind. You're like, I could just turn around. Like I could, there's timing mats. So you can't like, but if you wanted to, if you're having a real bad time, you could just like, you could just cut these, you know, out of backs anytime you wanted to. And I've, I've never done that in a race. I've never actually like, other than that race, I've never even thought about that, but that race, I was like, I should just like, just go right through. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Um, and it was just a combination of the heat, the climbing, like the technicality of the terrain. And that was just where I'm like, you know, kind of like my, my perspective on this ultras kind of changed a little bit. Maybe I got a little bit more humble, but I like, if you're out there, man, like everybody adapts to, you know, situations differently. It's a little bit easier if everything's just runnable and it's like, Hey, I know what my surfaces are. I'm dealing with it. Mm-hmm. But when you get out in the ultras, like if you're in the jungle, if you're in the Arctic, wherever, like people are adapting differently. Like people have different, like adapt differently to those elements. And I was just like, you know, if you, if you're out there pushing yourself, like major respect because everybody handles that stuff differently. Uh, it's pretty hard to predict uh, until you've been through, you know, a couple of them, how you're going to do in each of those environments. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the Arctic and the Antarctica ones, you know, are, I, they photograph really well. They're actually really fun. I like, I like them. Um, uh, but it feels a little bit like cheating because it's, you know, sometimes technically they're difficult because you're running through snow. Like you don't really have great footing, but like, I feel like it's like a, you know, it's a nice 12 hour adventure in the snow through the Arctic or whatever. And we got to see like the Northern lights at the end. Like, mm-hmm. I like that. That's fun. Um, the, the hot jungle stuff just like puts me on my butt so quick that it's like, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. I need to get better at it, but um, <laughs> anytime heat shows up, I have a, I have a rough time. So um, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. I, I, usually recommend people like that really want to kind of make the sport something that's like a, a passion or a hobby of them is to you know keep an open mind about trying a bunch of the different stuff before you get too hung up on any one given like discipline or terrain because you just don't know like what one you're going to gravitate to like I mean my wife and I are kind of polarizing in that where she would much rather be out on a mountain trail and you know I would be just fine on a 400 meter track <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and vice versa, you know, the other, they, they, the opposites pose different challenges for each of us and are just our psyche around it or our mindset about it is probably just a little different. So 
uh, you know, and everyone's kind of like that, you know, they have something that is their weakness or maybe just something they don't enjoy as much. It doesn't pull them or like, like the Arctic does to you. And, uh, you know, I usually tell folks too, it's like, you know, there's only so many of these you'll likely end up being able to do. So if you do find a type that you really do like, you know, don't be afraid to like seek out other ones like that. Uh, if that's where you're going to get the enjoyment from it too, but, but try out some of these other ones, if you have the chance. And I, I remember actually kind of a similar story. So you were describing, I did this, this hundred K uh, called the Gobi hundred K over in China. And it was, yeah. it was a relatively flat hundred K, but it was like basically all beach sand. And I got out there and it's like, <laughs> every step was just tedious. It was like, you, you know, you're taking, you're taking a two steps forward, one step back basically. And then you'd hit these sections, you go over these sand dunes and that, which was, it was fun for a little bit running down the sand dunes. Cause you could just like, just basically jump down them because the the sand would just cushion your your impact so much you weren't doing any whole lot of of uh muscle damage on those but i I think i maybe enjoyed of the like it took me like a little over nine hours to finish that race and i think i enjoyed maybe about an hour of it (laughs) so (laughs) it's just it's one of those things where you you learn a lot about the variance you learn how important just like the specificity of the training can be where like i think i maybe did one or two runs that would have semi replicated like a beach sand type experience and you get out there and you have to do that. It, it really, it really shows up and you recognize, okay, if I want to really perfect this particular type of course, I really need to get out or find a way to get out on that type of stuff and, and get that, that course specificity <laughs> tiled in a bit, but it, it's interesting. Well, well I, have a, I have a new respect for you and the track stuff. Cause I, all of my stuff up to this point had basically been like, you know, adventure or like, just like, like even like other, you know, uh, you're, you you do a loop or something like that, but it's only like a couple times or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my first, uh, you know, first track ultras. Uh, I did two last year. Um, man, like the mental game of like I'm I'm going in the same direction around this around. This <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we're in the hundreds. You know, like <laughs> this yeah. is this is becoming. It's a lot like there's a mental game there where you're like, oh, I'm not actually seeing anything new. I don't get to like I don't get to end up in somewhere different. Like I'm just in the same spot and I'm, I'm here for all day. So uh, that was a whole different world for me. Um, I've I enjoy it in a different way where it's like you can. You can uh, like the distance and the laps uh, become a little bit more. I don't know if it's consolidated is the right word. It's, I don't know. The, it's uh, uh, I did basically the same race in June that I did in December. And I'm like, Oh, I know exactly. Like, like I don't have all these other different variables. Basically I had like a heat was the only variable that changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like really, really interesting to see like, this is a different type of metal game than like going out for a, you know, a hundred mile and then race or whatever. Um, so but new respect for, for, you know, there's so many categories. There's so yeah. many categories. So when people are like, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to try this, like, you know, give yourself, you know, a couple different options and, you know, test things out and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, see, yeah. see, see what's interesting to you. Yeah. Cause like the, the, the psychology and the trainer. So it's like, it's physically different and it's mentally different. Like you described, I think like the short loop courses are certainly like the 400 meter track ones it's like some, the thing I find the most interesting about those are like one, you said that's, it can be so controlled. You can get a very good look at your progress or regression or stagnation from one year to the next or one event to the next. And just like the, the polarizing result 
is also really interesting to me where I feel like I either have like a great day or I have a terrible day. <laughs> it's like, there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of in between because like you're, the information is so apparent because you can see your exact split every 400 meters if you want to. And you can know exactly where you should be within that. And I think that gives you, you can get a really positive like mental stimulus from that if you're heading in the right direction and that can kind of spiral the right way. And if you can keep it spiraling that way, you can just knock it out of the park or, you know, it can unravel. And once it starts unraveling, you can just get that negative reinforcement lap after lap after lap. And like, if you don't catch that soon enough, it just blows up on you really, really quickly. So it's just like this weird difference in, in psychology with that. But the, the running part of it is interesting to me too, because everything is so uniform. I feel like you can kind of put yourself in a bit of a trance. It's almost hypnotic. It's so like monotonous, um, which then can pose some physical challenges too. Cause if like one tiny thing goes wrong, you're kind of leaning on the same mechanic all day long versus having that varied terrain that you're going to get on a lot of the trail courses. So, you know, if you have like your hip starts hurting, it's like, well, you know, you're not going to really favor something else <laughs> when, you, when you, when you're turning left and your left hip is bothering you, you're in trouble. So there's, it's just an interesting type of setup uh, that does highlight, I think the, the range in the sport rather nicely. Hey folks, I want to make a quick shout out to some of my personal athlete sponsors and offer all of you some discount options if you think my gear is also right for you. My shoe of choice, Ultra Footwear, is offering listeners 15% off. They make a foot-shaped, balanced, cushioned shoe that fits like a glove. S-Fuels is offering 5% off and they are my go-to low-carb workout and lifestyle product of choice. Eggweights is offering 15% off their running form, strength work, and recovery products. Finally, Purpose Performance Wear is offering 10% off my favorite workout apparel, including my own signature series. So head over to zachbitter.com forward slash my gear or the profile link on my social media channels to check out these discounts and more. All right, folks, now back to the show. I was going to ask, does that like, it sounds like it compounds, like good days turn out great days. Cause mm -hmm. like you could see all like how good you did explicitly. Right. And like bad days turn into bad days because you can see yeah. like you felt bad already and now you're feeling bad about feeling bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's basically it. And I think the other part too, is like when you get not necessarily just the formula track courses, but these like runnable hundred milers, I think one of the biggest hurdles for folks a lot of times is if you pick a goal pace and your goal pace is, you know, kind of maybe the gray area pace, that's not like kind of similar to your normal running pace. You're left with this situation where you have to kind of decide how to structure your pacing strategy, where you get these like more mountainous hilly courses, you know, the, the uphills that, you know, that's a great spot where you're going to power hike. The downhills are probably a spot where you should run and the course can kind of like strategize that breakup for you. Whereas if you're, let's say you're targeting a, like a, a 22 hour finish on a hundred miler, that's a runnable hundred miler. Well, any mile on that course you could run, but uh, at some point you have to decide, well, which parts do I run and which parts do I hike or walk in order to make it sustainable for your, for your pacing goal. And I think that's the hard yeah. part for people. Cause then a lot of times, like they leverage that or those early miles or those early hours and their legs are fresh and they do a little too much running then. 
and then, yeah, then you have an issue where like something, something goes on you and you have to deal with it for, for the whole time. And there's no way to stop using that muscle the way you're using it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It's interesting seeing like even high level athletes transition to ultras. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just like a different world. Uh, I had a friend tried to solo, uh, like Leadville was canceled this year, but like, uh, I had some friends like sign up and they were just like, we're going to just try to do this unsupported. There was like a, a section of people that were trying to do that. And uh -huh. one of them was like an awesome triathlete. She's fantastic. Uh, uh, like she typically places and everything. And then like, she came out and she's just like, I'm just going to like crush it. And, uh, just quickly realized like, Oh no, like there's a whole different training methodology I have to jump into here. And, uh, I honestly, if she trains for it, she's going to come back and kill it. But, yeah. um, mm -hmm. it's, it's always interesting just seeing that transition to, this is a different world. And, uh, <laughs> you yeah. don't really know what it's like until you, you jump in the deep end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You kind of gotta, you gotta eventually kind of bite that bullet and be willing to get humbled by it at least at some point. And, and that's one thing I really found interesting about, you know, speaking of high level athletes in sports, Jim Walmsley, who's like one of the best, if not the best at the moment. And he's like, uh, you know, his, one of his things early on was like, I have to finish this event. So I get the full experience, even if it's a blow up. Cause once I get that full experience, then I have something to build off of. And I find that really interesting too, because for someone who's going into a race and everyone's expecting you to win, if not break a course record, and then you find yourself you know, walking the last 10 miles, yeah, it's a pretty humbling experience for someone in that position. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes I think those the high level athletes, they can be their own worst enemy if they get a little too, uh, a little, a little too, uh, maybe ego driven at the, at the end result, but you know, they usually figure it out at some point if they stick around long enough. It's it is just a puzzle at the end of the day. I like I like that quote. Uh, you gotta like finish just to like experience the whole thing. Like that's mm -hmm. that's a good way to summarize it. Yeah, and it, I get, it makes sense. I mean, as long as you don't like completely destroy yourself, uh, yeah. then then you're gonna like you're you're gonna look back on that the next time you start, and you're like, there's not this like. 20 mile gap in my experience that I have to worry about. That's going to cause me mental angst. The first 80 miles, you know, you have that, yeah, that, yeah. that thing has been sewn up. So it's interesting, but you know, one other thing I wanted to ask you about Joel is, or I, this is what I like to like, anytime I get an ultra marathoner on here, I like to ask this question just because I think just like the varied terrain and all that stuff, it's always surprising to me, the variety of nutritional approaches people do. I mean, I've talked to folks yeah. in the sport when I, that have been on a fruitarian diet and I've talked to yeah. folks in the sport who are on a carnivore diet, which are like essentially the two polar opposites you can find. Yeah. And then obviously everything in between. So is there any like nutritional strategy or type of like eating pattern that has worked well for you or that you've leaned on for your performances and recovery and just to kind of keep, keep it exciting and keep things moving? Yeah, uh, I I typically do like a a relatively like low carb, uh, real food diet um, in my normal life, and then race day. To be quite honest, like anything goes. Like I don't, yeah. I don't get dogmatic. I'm like I'm 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 getting through this. Uh, and like I'm not I'm not super dogmatic. I found uh, I found specifically, you know, I've got a, a couple of businesses around like paleo and keto and. I find they're super helpful, especially for a, like the population at large that's just looking to like, Hey, I want to, I want to do a normal, like just live a normal life and like fix a lot of basic nutritional flaws. They've, you know, they've had for a long time. Um, for me personally, I just, I kind of naturally lean towards like, 
a paleo-ish, low-carb, uh, 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 real food diet, and then like supplement carbs as I needed based on whatever training um, volume I'm doing. Um, and that's worked out pretty well for me. Um, I've never gone, uh, I know a lot of people have done it, but I, I've, ne- I've never gone like, a, like gone like fully fat adapted and just raced off like that. Um, I should, it seems like an interesting experiment that I should test out at some point, but, um, yeah, for, you know, you, the broad majority of my stuff is just like, uh, you know, uh, low carbish paleo ish, you know, supplement carbs as needed, um, mm-hmm. based on whatever I'm training and, and depending on different, you know, if I'm doing, you know, a half marathon, you know, there's, uh, there's not a lot of complication involved there. I think when I'm getting into these, you know, super long things, uh, these Arctic races and stuff, like it's more of just like, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna get through this thing. So, um, I don't know if that's super helpful or not, but, uh, I find it's, it, it varies so much to so many different people that like, you kind of just have to experiment mm-hmm. to see what works with you. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, when your stomach's deciding if it does or not, does not tolerate, you know, whatever it is you're throwing at it. Right. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes total sense to me. I think it's where the interesting part about the sport, I mean, it's like everything about the sport almost is where, you know, we don't necessarily, there's not a lot of research tied into like, you know, what, what is ideal at mile 80 of a hundred miler. Whereas, you know, we have the Olympic distance sports where there's been a lot of research, a lot of science around it. And where I think people get in trouble is when they, they go maybe a little opposite of what you do and they become kind of dogmatic with one approach or the other. And that leads them to this point where they start trying to like extrapolate evidence from other things into ultra morning when it's really like, are we really comparing apples to apples here at this point? And you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you got to do the training, you got to do the events. So, um, you know, let, let your workouts and your results be your guide. And if you find something that works well for you, then, you know, figure, try to figure out why that is and, and, and leverage it. But then when I'm working with folks on that department, it's like, a lot of times we start with like, well, whatever we decide direction ahead with you, it's got to be sustainable for you. So like, if it's, it could be, this a silver bullet diet, so to speak, but if you can't stick to it for more than two weeks, then what's the point? Because you're not going to end up actually leveraging a silver bullet anyhow. And, and then what I find interesting is like, when you go at it with that approach, you just get a lot of variety of what people actually prefer. And it makes me think a lot about like dietary recommendations in general, just like, why do we, like, why do we have them? Maybe I guess is what I have. <laughs> because like, when I talk to people, I'm like, you know, some people, they, they would rather eat lower carb, salty, savory foods. That's just what kind of they are drawn to. And so it's really sustainable when we implement a a dietary approach like that. And then there's other folks who, who are the opposite. Like they don't really have an appeal to those type of food sources as much. And they, they, they find like a moderate carbohydrate diet, a little more sustainable. And uh, it's just funny to see, see what's works and, and what doesn't for, for each individual at that point. Did I, did I tell you, I, I did a, I did a carnivore month experiment in like June. Oh, did you? Or so yeah, How'd I did a go? full, like, it was, just, it was just carnivore and coffee was basically the only things that I did. Uh, uh, it was great. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of, uh, like super long distance stuff. I think I did a, I have actually, no, I might've had a, I might've had a race in, in there. I don't remember. Um, no, cause I wouldn't have been. I don't remember, 
but uh, the overall month, I had a good, I had a good experience experience with it. I thought training was interesting. I was doing um, I think I was doing like a hypertrophy like training um schedule at the time. I, I need to go look at my notes again. But like, I just remember the first two weeks being horrible, and then after that, I felt like awesome. Um, and it's the main thing was like it's kind of expensive and I was doing weird stuff. Like I was eating ribeyes at like 11 o'clock at night. Like it was just like, it was, my life was bizarre at that point. I was like, I don't understand this. Um, I haven't done really well doing like a decent amount of training volume. So I'm, I'm curious to like, see what that would be like. Um, uh, if I, if I did it while, you know, having a, like a goal specific, you know, race I was going for. Um, I think the one thing that would scare me was like, just the whole stomach thing was probably like uh, the most, the least I've trusted myself in yeah. the middle of any situation. So, you know, in a, in the middle of a big race, like that's not something that you want to have to, you know, worry about. But uh, I found, I found carnivore was like, actually like, you know, it's super simple. Like there's no, um, like, I just, I just really appreciate the simplicity of it. It's like, what am I having today? Steak. Yeah you know questions like, answered yeah, yeah yeah exactly and then um you know like you eat really well you learn to like you know season you know yeah you know you have 30 different uh attempts to uh figure out you know how, how you best like to make your steak so right um <laughs> and you know i had a lot of ground beef and a bunch of other stuff too but like yeah i had a great time with it uh i would love to do another experiment with it um but super interesting and um you know i found out you know especially if I'm not doing a specific training thing, I would totally do it again. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I haven't, haven't gone strict for even a month at this. I think the longest I've gone is maybe two weeks just to kind of see how it is. It just kind of felt like strict keto, maybe amplified a little bit in terms of just like, uh, I felt really, really good doing basically everything. Um, other than maybe some of the really, really high intensity stuff. If I had it in context with like, uh, enough volume. Whereas I'm always curious about that just general, and this isn't carnivore specific. I think this is low carb, moderate to high carb, more conversation where it's like, um, the, how, like, if you can get the volume low enough and the intensity high enough, it's almost like the glycogen side of thing doesn't really matter as much. Um, I mean, when, when Sean was co-hosting with me on here, I was like, he was always an interesting person to watch because I mean, that was his exact lifestyle. He was so intense in the workouts he would do, you know, he wasn't going to do more than 60 minutes of it per day because, you know, you just exhaust yourself before you have a chance to do much more than that. So he probably wasn't like driving his glycogen stores too terribly low in any given workout. And then you'd have 24 plus hours after that one to kind of resynthesize that through, um, fats and proteins. Whereas like you get into something that we're doing where like, you're kind of always elevating your metabolism a bit and you're always kind of in that gray area intensity to a degree. So like you add that and then some speed intervals on top of it. And you just kind of create this really unique experience where, um, there, I think you, you kind of run into some problems on the, the higher gear workouts after a while, if you kind of keep going down that road. And that's, that's generally what my experience has been with strict keto and, and carnivore in general. Uh, which is why I, I tend to periodize it a little bit more, but still within kind of that, that low carb approach, but it's interesting stuff. Um, yeah, it's a good timing, I guess, cause I'm sure there's a lot of people taking on world carnivore month right now. So yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably maybe comparing notes as we just spitball about our brief experiences. <laughs> the, the, the one thing that I found was like, 
it actually made um it made me want to do like it, i don't know if it made me more extreme on the keto side but like when i went back to keto i was like playing around with keto and i was having like a lot of like nut butters and stuff and like uh i just felt like like the, the strongest takeaway i think i had from my whole carnivore experience is like uh like all the thing all the all the different keto products that always have like all these different types of nut butters in them they all felt like really like cheap sources of nutrition um and like i felt like i i've had a steak i know what a steak is and i now i'm having like you know almond butter and i'm like this is not these are not the same these are not yeah. the same thing. um and so so it was just interesting to see be like actually i i think i almost prefer on some respects that like a carnivore it's like you gotta eat like a real thing versus like keto there's uh, you know, so, keto has been so popular now, uh, you know, for good reason, but like, there's so many things that you can have that you can like, you could still be keto, but like, right. You're eating, you know, maybe not the highest quality foods you could, you could have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can kind of turn it into the standard American diet in the look and the taste and the feel, but just the macronutrient profiles skewed differently when, when you add yeah. in all the little, little tricks and stuff like that. But, but yeah, that is an interesting point with the, with the, the carnivore diet in general is you do get this, like this, this kind of unique look into kind of how like satiating, at least for me and like satisfying that food group is. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know how unique that is to me versus the average person or anybody for that matter. But I noticed that too, where it's like, then if, if I would eat a meal that had little to no meat in it, I almost feel like, like even if I ate a lot and more than I technically needed, <laughs> I'm like, I still feel like there's gotta be something. Maybe that's just from eating like you know, meat and a lot of my meals for as long enough period yeah. of time is a psychological thing, maybe as much as anything, but um, I find it interesting if, if nothing else. I would, I would end up with these, these sensations where I'd feel full, but like not actually feel full and like still kind of hungry. Like, mm-hmm. but like, it's like my stomach's like, full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know I put enough things in there, but like, I'm, <laughs> still want like half a ribeye or something like that yeah (laughs) so no it's it it was super interesting and um i think anytime you do you know uh just structured experiments with yourself i think it's just really really uh enlightening to see like what comes out of that because Mm -hmm. uh you know a lot of people i feel like go on autopilot for a lot of different things and sometimes it's nice just to be like okay let's take 30 days see what happens um and you know jot down whatever you know whatever lessons you get out of that yeah i mean you you just kind of expose yourself to something you maybe otherwise wouldn't have and then you ultimately end up learning things whether it's positive or negative it's you know something you can take away and i mean that kind of that maybe goes full circle nicely with like, you know, that I guess maybe that's what, maybe it is a psychological thing. That's where we're seeking that out in running. We're trying to find like the find ourselves and by throwing ourselves into weird things that are uh, um, that you kind of just have to do to figure out and see, see what it's like in order to really know or have a connection to and you know, dietarily, I suppose that kind of carries true as well. Yeah. It's, it's all mental. Everything's mental. So yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. <laughs> awesome joel i don't want to take up too much of your time but uh it's been a blast kind of having you on the show and chatting about just your background your mindset and everything it is that you're up to uh, if uh if you have any with anything to share like where the listeners can find you social media website and that stuff feel free to do so and i can also stick it in the show notes yeah so you can uh you can find all of my stuff at uh, impossiblehq.com um 
We are working on some like fitness resources at impossiblefitness.com. So you can check that out as too. Um, and then one thing we didn't talk about, but uh, after I jacked up my ankle um, in Patagonia, um, I had to do all this uh, physical therapy, uh, mobility, rehab stuff. Um, and it sucked. And if you've done physical therapy, uh, you probably know that it sucks. And so uh, we ended up building a, a mobility uh, training app. And so we basically build uh, five to 15 minute uh, mobility routines on um, goal specific uh, training. So, you know, if you're prepping for a long run, if you're cooling down, if you're trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, prevent different injuries, uh, we have routines, uh, all lined up with that. So that's called move well, and that's at movewellapp.com. So you can check that out as well. Awesome. man! I'm glad you ended with that. Uh, I'm going to check it out. I love mobility stuff and, uh, ankle mobility has always been a big one for me. I've had, uh, my right ankle gives me some grief from time to time. So I usually have to stay on top of that stuff. I'm I'm going to check yours out and see maybe it'll eliminate it altogether. <laughs> is it, is it, is it just your right ankle or is it a tendon or is it, is it something else? Yeah. Well, you know what it is, at least from what I can gather is I've, I've rolled it a few times, like earlier in my running yeah. career. And it's just been something I've always had to kind of stay on top of with strength and mobility in order for it to, I mean, it's not major. I'm not like limping around all the time or anything, but you know, if I have like a huge training block, or if I do a big race or something like that, the next day, I can just tell like that area is probably a little more beat up than the rest of me. So it's kind of my weak yeah. link more or less. <laughs> All right. Well, if you see any other, if you see other, any other routines that uh, you'd like to see in the app, just give me a shout and uh, we'll put them together. And cool. Them out there. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Joel. Thanks for taking some time. All right. Thanks. Man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the human performance outliers podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please consider checking out my website at ZachBitter.com or my social media channels at ZachBitter on Instagram, at ZBitter on Twitter, and at Zach.Bitter on Facebook. You can also support the show by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to send me an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.